All right, welcome back. This is the Bless Up Podcast. So this is part two of our series. And last time we talked about uh, deconstruction. And this time we are jumping into the thing that is oh so important, and that is reconstruction. This is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. I'm Rachel, I'm here with Corey and James, and we are ready to jump right in. So guys, I want to start us off with a question today, as always, and that is, what's the hardest thing you have ever put together? Immediately, immediately, uh, this instance from just a few summers ago comes to mind. Um, you know, Sarah and Kaylee, we, we didn't have Jamie yet, Sarah and Kaylee were uh, getting older and they wanted... Uh, you know, they wanted something to, to, to play with or on in the backyard. Rachel and I decided that we were going to get them, one, you know, some kind of like swing set or some kind of thing that they could like climb or whatever. And we found this amazing, this amazing deal on this amazing Sam's Club. It was the Sam's Club website. <laughs> yeah. Like shout out to Sam's Club. So like it's a swing set also attached to like this little like circle like castle thing that you can like climb up on one side and then like slide down the other and like go inside and you know whatever and then there's also like monkey bars on the other side like whatever anyway it's super cool um and it was a really really good deal so we decided to to pull the trigger for the sake of our children now unbeknownst to me there was also um a clause in there where you could pay a, a certain amount extra it was five hundred dollars okay five hundred dollars for five hundred dollars more they would come out and assemble it for you rachel <laughs> wanting to be so frugal decided we don't need to spend that $500. Corey can just put this together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I said, Rach, I can't put all that together. And she said, oh, well, then just call my brother Jeff. He'll help you because Corey and Jeff can put this together. <laughs> this uh, playground <laughs> took us an entire week to construct. No, it did not. Oh, oh, it did let me not finish. take a whole let week. Let me finish. A week, though? No, no it was not a week. This is why I say it took a week. This is why I say it took a week from start to finish, okay? <laughs> this is why. <laughs> let me explain. This is why I say it took a week. Because it took us, it took three grown men, because we also roped JD into doing it, right? It took three grown men 14 hours <laughs> Yes. in one day to construct and then took all of us six more days to recover the feeling <laughs> in our bodies from what it took out of us. Okay, it did take 14 hours. He's not exaggerating. It really took the three of them 14 hours. I could not type on a computer. I couldn't move my thumbs enough to call or text anyone, right? Like, <laughs> we were in physical pain. 14 hours. Okay, but wait. To put that stupid thing together. You did get you did get one detail wrong though. It wasn't summer. You guys did it the day before Easter Sunday. Remember cuz you no. and what wasn't it the day? yeah, cuz you and JD went to church Easter Sunday. It was Third Street's first ever Easter. I, honestly, it was so traumatic that there <laughs> I have no doubt that there are details that I blocked out. 
no doubt in my mind. So anyway, that's that's for sure. And honestly, like it's crazy because like like my friend Andrew and I like from back in the day, like we did some crazy crazy hard work in Peru once upon a time. Like but nothing. Like immediately to my head as soon as you say that, I'm like, "Oh, it's that stupid playground that's that's in my backyard right now." I still wouldn't have paid the $500 for assembly. I would have in a second. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, I live by a few principles. One of them is know thyself. So I try to know thyself. <laughs> and what thy and what thyself doesn't do is put stuff together. <laughs> I you know, I I grew up in what some would call projects. Uh yeah, so I mean I don't cut grass, I don't shovel snow, I don't rake leaves. You didn't have to do that in a project. Somebody somebody kinda just did for you didn't do any of those things and i don't know if we had a screwdriver in our house growing up so you know that's just not like a skill set i really have but i married a woman who you know she comes from a different kind of culture where people do that kind of stuff like all the time so we ordered this it was on our registry for our wedding mm. it was like this uh tv stand and when we moved into a house that like had enough space for us to put it there, we were like, you know what? We're going to put this together. We liked the way this TV stand looked in the Target. And we registered <laughs> for it. So we are going to put this TV stand together. So we put it together. And about 45 minutes later, both of us frustrated. I think our marriage was like on the rocks at that point trying to put that it TV stand is. together. Yeah, absolutely. Never put stuff together, together. Yeah. And she just looked at me and she was like, let's just go get a TV stand. So we got in the whip and drove to Canton and went to Home Goods and came back with a fully assembled TV stand. It was awesome. It's awesome. It works. It looks great. And we got Chick-fil-A while we were out in Canton. It was a great, it was a great day. So yeah, I, I don't really put things together. Shoestrings into sneakers. Is about as far as it goes for me. Uh, For Christmas this year, our girls got these Lego sets, which I was super excited about because they're like Mulan and Trolls. And there's one other one, Frozen. I don't remember. But I thought their Lego sets were super cool. Um, And I thought especially that Kaylee would enjoy doing Legos. And so we're, like, putting these Legos together. Um, and then about 15 minutes in, we were no longer putting Legos together. I was sitting there doing Legos by myself. And, uh, like, I do not have tiny child fingers. And so some of those pieces are, like, teeny tiny. And it was very hard to assemble but at the end of it i did assemble a, the some funny little truck thing van thing i don't know what it was from from trolls for kaylee and it was fun um but i just remember sitting there thinking these are gonna be so cool she's gonna have so much fun with these and then all of a sudden i was the only adult sitting at the table on christmas eve assembling legos i was abandoned by my child um so not necessarily hard to put together but does stand out as a moment that I was left alone for assembly all by myself. Mm. <laughs> Which, when we talk about reconstruction, 
Like there's so many things in what you guys just said that makes me think about like piecing your faith back together and how like you're talking about that place that took a week and it didn't take a week. It took a day, but 14 hours in one day is an extremely long time and you can't quit or the playground is just sitting there. And, you know, you're talking about the TV stand and wouldn't we all love a faith that you can just buy that's picture perfect and like is just handed handed to you fully assembled. Fully assembled faith, goodness. And and I mean, looking at like the Lego set, like sitting there with the Lego set, starting it off all hopeful and then all of a sudden realizing you're abandoned to finish it by yourself. And who would even know if you didn't put it back together, you know? Like there's so many there's so many parts of reconstructing your faith that are so difficult. So like when you guys went through your deconstruction phase, honestly, I don't even know that I remember a lot of it um, because I was sitting right in it trying to piece mine together at the same time. And um, I know you guys walked me through so much of it um, in my own life. Like what do you think when you're putting stuff back together? Um, if you could look at somebody right now who's sitting with like all the pieces of their faith scattered on the floor and they're like, I would much rather go to home goods and Chick-fil-A right now oh, than put this together. Right. I would always like, rather go to Chick-fil-A. What, what would you, what would you go back and say to yourself at that point when yours is scattered on the floor? I think one thing I appreciate about my experience, particularly at Milan, yeah, yeah, it's good to show show the, the good old university some love here real quick. Like the department was really good at this, and they were really good at like guiding people through it. So there was like all the professors that I had like in the department. I can like pinpoint conversations that I had with each of them mm -hmm. that was like guiding me through it. And I don't know what it is about like faith in Jesus or Christianity and like the way I've experienced it in America. But if I'm sick, I go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. When my head is off, I go to my counselor. When my car's broken, I take my car to the mechanic, right? There's some things that some folks can do themselves on the car, but when it gets to a certain point, you have to take the car to the mechanic. But when it comes to our faith in Jesus, I feel like it's very common that we're like, well, I just, I know. I, Whoa. I know. I know what to do. Yeah. Like, if you believe in Scripture, you believe that God has appointed mm -hmm. individuals to lead the local church context. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't just say this because I'm a pastor and because I lead in a local church context. I say this because, like, I believe it's biblical. I think sometimes when we deconstruct, what happens is we go, all right, I, I don't want anyone to be in this process but me. But the reality is there are those who have, like, gone before you and done this before yeah. and can help you figure out what it means to, like, put the pieces back together to help you figure out what foundational pieces you actually need and to process that with you. So I'll say like in that phase, it was so important that I had like folks who were willing to like ask me difficult questions, but not just ask them, but help me process through it and like come to like a conclusion. Because when you do that, 
it's a surefire way to like not just build a house in deconstruction, but to actually figure out what it means to like healthily reconstruct to a point where you're like living a healthy life of faith again and walking towards Jesus for a lifetime, which is which is the goal of it all. Yeah. I, I, two things come to mind. Um, first of all, I've been wanting, I've been wanting since the first uh, discussion of regathering uh, Sunday morning during the pandemic has come up to use this somewhere. And I never knew where it was going to be. I never knew when it was going to pop up, but I was positive that I was going to get to use this at some point. I want to talk for a moment about prepackaged communion. Oh my gosh, I knew that's what you were going to say. So because of covid right like we're not we're not doing the 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 passing of the uh, of the tray or go up and take communion in stations or having people administer communion like like we're not doing all that we're handing on the way inside the door they get these pre-packaged communion cups which is like it's all wrapped in, in nice plastic and like the bottom is like the cup with the juice and then on top is like a peelable thing where it's like the you know the wafers on top and then you peel the other layer that's how you get to the juice like it's pre it's all it's pre-packaged communion it's become like our congregation will tell you it's become like my favorite phrase to use over the past several weeks pre-packaged communion you when can't you, just say communion yeah, every you, time you receive your pre-packaged communion this is america like pre-blessed like, food like right right exactly 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 Chick-fil-A is pre-blessed and oh, i feel Lord, like Lord. i feel like it's 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 such a uh, such a picture of the plight in the Western Church of how we prefer our faith. Like we prefer to give you money to hand me a prepackaged thing that tells me like what I'm supposed to do, think, believe, follow, act, whatever. Right? Does that does that make sense? Like, like I'm not trying to like figure any of it out. I wouldn't I wouldn't prefer to construct it myself. I wouldn't prefer to like dig into the tough questions. Like, I mean, this is a, a scripture was something that was written so long ago. I feel like you need a whole degree to understand what's in there. You know, like it's not something that I prefer. I would prefer f- to exchange, as James says often, this this tithe dollar for your or like prepackaged religious thought for me to apply to my life, right? And and so the first thing that kind of like comes to my mind in addressing the person whose faith is in pieces all over the table is I just want to say that like, yo, I see you and like what you're doing is 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 okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to be curious and to want to understand. I actually would say it's biblical and beautiful to want to understand how it works. What is this wafer wafer indicative of? Like like what is the significance of of communion? What is the significance of the of representing Jesus's body and Jesus's blood? Like what 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 all went into deciding that this was a sacrament? Like what is a sacrament? Like piecing that stuff together is a beautiful part of the faith. And so it's a really really big deal and I appreciate that you're taking the time to discover the depth of of your faith. Secondly, um and and you can, you know, you both can kind of like 
check me on this. You know, like I, I, I had a, uh, I had a mentor one time. Uh, he used to always love to say the phrase. I don't even know if I agree with what I'm about to say. Mm, yeah. Um, so like, so, so check me on this, but I, I feel like in, in an effort of reconstruction, I would encourage you that, um, it's okay to find yourself in a place where your answers almost seem to be like oxymoronic. Like they almost seem to like, like to, to be at odds with each other. And yet this is the conclusion that I've arrived to. Let me give you an example. Jesus always talks about the kingdom being already, but not yet. How can something be already here, but we're awaiting for the arrival of it. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's the kingdom, right? I remember specifically, like you mentioned, our theology professors, I remember specifically doing uh, bless up on campus one time and uh, we had, we had invited theology professors to be on a panel that we hosted. Um, and it was in the fall of 2016 leading up to uh, election day. And I remember um, a few weeks prior to that, we had asked students to like write down questions that that they had, and then we kind of went through them, summarized them. A lot of them were similar, so we kind of like put them together, categorized them, all that kind of stuff. And I remember specifically, we asked the theology professors, our panel of theology professors, the question, like to that essentially, I forget how it was worded, but essentially, we were asking them to address quote unquote one issue voters or or Christians who solely vote for the Republican. Republican candidate based on the issue of abortion um, as a juxtaposition to those who vote Democrat because of their um, because of their holy discontent towards social justice and how do you how do you reconcile those things and, and, and whatever and I remember specifically one of the professors saying and and honestly prior to that point I would have probably told you I knew the answer. Like I knew, I knew what I was going to say. I knew what I was going to do. I know what I would have told that, told the student body. Um, but then the professor drops, drops this. And he talks about like, as a Christian, we are called to care for life around us, but caring for life goes from womb to tomb. In other words, we absolutely care about the unborn life, which is found in the in the pro-life, uh, anti-abortion um, uh, agenda stance, um, but we also care about what happens to that child once it leaves the womb. What happens with its education? What happens with the with the with the child's uh, housing? What happens with food? What happens, in other words, supplying support. Um, to that child all the way through its life into uh, into old age even, and which you see aligned greatly with um, with the with the other side of the aisle, and those two things seem to be at odds with one another, and yet it seems like Jesus would care about both. And I think that a lot of times in our deconstruction, reconstruction process, we're looking for that crisp, clean, prepackaged communion answer. And it's just not like that. And I don't see Jesus necessarily offer those answers as well. I don't know. Check me. No. No, I'm there. I'm there with you. And I think that's super important in the process of reconstruction 
And I think that's like a that's a point of maturity that you come from. Yeah. I was with I was with someone I look up to a lot last week and we were talking and I was asking him questions about like the difference between like the attractional model of the church and the missional model of the church. And he looked at me and he said, you know, for years I've like grappled between the two. And he's like, I started a missional model of the church. He's like, now I lead a large, uh, more attractional model of the church. That's a hybrid with some missional churches and it's a conglomerate of sorts. And he's like, I've grappled in my heart and felt the tension between the two for a long time. And he said last year, like, God did something in me. And he's like, he told me to stop grappling between the two and to look up and to seek maturity. Mm. And I was just like, dang. He's like, yeah. He's like, so now I don't, he's like, in immaturity, I'm finding contentment in right where I'm at and learning to like be the best version of myself right in where I'm at. And I think like what you're talking about, like that's like not trying to answer questions yeah, that aren't required to have answers. Like, I think, like, one thing that we've lost in the West is, like, our sense of wonder and our sense of mysticism. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the faith is full of paradoxes. And as you reconstruct, I mean, I think there's a point that you get to where you just say, okay, Christianity does take faith. It's built on faith. I either have faith in this or don't. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you there for sure. I think there's something that I, I I want to explore more, and I want you to expound upon about reaching a point of maturity or contentment or peace, however you want to say it, as opposed to reaching a point of answers, right? Like those seem to be at odds with each other in in what you're saying. Can you can you go there a little bit? Can you talk more about that? Yeah. Yeah. I think to fully embrace Christianity and to fully embrace the kingdom of God is to realize that like in the kingdom of God, sometimes like one plus one doesn't equal two. Like sometimes it equals five or sometimes like you just don't know what one plus one actually equals. (laughs) It's a a mystery. Like It's a mystery. (laughs) Like sometimes you sometimes you just don't know. Like to think about what theologians call the hypostatic union which is the fact that, like, Jesus is 100% God and And he's 100% 100%, man. Like, to actually think about that and to look at Jesus' life. That's 200%. That's 200%. (laughs) Like, how can you be both 100% God and 100% man? Like, to look at the Trinity, and these are dogmas One equals three. What? One equals three. (laughs) Like, to think about the virgin birth, like... Man, something don't add up. <laughs> you see how that sounds, Mary? You see how that sounds? Something don't add up there, right? <laughs> I think I think what it means to become mature, and it's what I seek after so deeply, what it means to like be in the process of becoming mature is to find contentment in the tension of the paradox. And to be able to say, you know what? I don't know, and I don't have to know. I don't have the capacity as a human to know. So what I do have the capacity to do as a human is to have faith in something that's bigger than me and higher than me and greater than me. 
And I think when we fully yield, the Holy Spirit does its work in bringing contentment. And I think that contentment, that contentment can only come from the Spirit. And I think in the process of reconstruction, what makes it different than deconstruction is, yeah, I felt like when I was deconstructing, like, well, yeah, I just felt like I was, I was so anxious and I was so, like, I was so against things and everything was a dichotomy and I was always taking one side and it was super polarized versus now more and more. I mean, I'm still a hater, like pray for me. Like I still have those, have those things where I'm like, nah, that's not, that ain't it. That ain't it. And you gotta go. Like you gotta go. That ain't it. But I think the more like I release those things man, I'm releasing this us versus them deal. And I'm able to say, well, you know what? I don't know. God is doing something like this way bigger than me, way bigger than like the thoughts that I have. That's way bigger than the thoughts that we have in the West. And that's way bigger than any thoughts that we have as humans. Mm -hmm. I'm going to like have faith in and take rest in the fact that God is working all things together. Like, for good and yeah i think when we release those things like god supernaturally through his spirit is like building contentment in us as those things happen yeah and that's not to like that's not even to like jesus juke question asking right like it's not even to say like well if you have questions just have faith right like that's not it. That's not it at all. Like it's mm-hmm. okay to question. It's okay to dig, but there are some things that the Son of Man did not come to answer, but He came to fulfill. Mm-hmm. He came to He came to lead and He came to influence. Jesus came for uh, a mission, for a purpose. He didn't come to go toe to toe with the Pharisees, right? Like He doesn't He doesn't offer like apologetics to where He believes that the Pharisees need corrected, um, but. He leads a life of mission and that his food, as he would say in John 4, like his food, his, his nourishment, his sustain, uh, sustainability, his sustenance is in doing the will of God. And so, and so ultimately, like reconstruction is about finding your ability to more closely follow the will of God where we find peace and contentment not to answer all of the questions that we've that humanity has wrestled to answer since the since the dawn of time you know rachel i think it just like hit my head Uh, yeah it's like yeah i i like see the picture it's rachel just used an analogy of a bookshelf like as we were talking and as you look at the Gospels, what you find is the Pharisees and the Sadducees have boiled down, like, relationship with Yahweh and what it meant for them to be the people of Yahweh yeah. into a bookshelf. Yep. Like, they knew the right phrases to say. They knew the right things to do. They knew all of the law. They knew what to, where to pull what off of the bookshelf, and they knew how to say it in all these ways. But what Jesus is doing in the Gospels is Jesus is like taking apart this bookshelf, right? Not destroying it because he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. And I believe that he's taken that bookshelf apart and he's turned it into a table where you have an encounter 
versus whether you it's not about what you do and what you don't do, but it's about like your proximity at the table. He's taken apart this bookshelf and he's turned it into a table. And I think when reconstruction happens well, it goes from this academic exercise and this intellectual Olympic games to really being an encounter with the person. And I think that, yeah, that that's what's happening. And I am in the process of, yeah, yep. going from bookshelf to table. You know, when we look at scripture, we see examples, you know, Jesus doesn't use the words deconstruction and we and reconstruction, but we see him constantly deconstructing old things to put something together. You know, he says, you've heard it said, but I say, you've heard it said, but I say. And, um, you know, the woman at the well, when she stands in front of Jesus and she, she recognizes Hey, you are a great man. Right before he tells her he's the Messiah, she says, I can see that you're a prophet, and I got this question that I need to know. And she says, the Jews say that you have to worship here, but the Samaritans say that you have to worship here. So which one is it? So she's asking this question, mm -hmm. and Jesus, <laughs> rather than say, it's Soon this place there or this will come place. a day. Yeah. Indeed, it is here now. Yes, exactly. Mm. Where you where you will worship in spirit and in truth. So he takes the question that she has and he acknowledges her question, but rather than give her a black and white answer and a this is what it is answer, he looks at her and he tells mm. her what the heart of worship yes. is because that's what's actually yes. important. Because her because her question was, where should I worship? Does it have to be in a building? Or let, I'm, let me modernize it a little bit. Is church a building or is it the people? Because if it's the people, then I don't need to go to a building. But if it's the building, then what do I need the people for? And what Jesus is essentially saying is like, it's about me. It's about worshiping me. It's about glorifying me. It's about an encounter with me. It's almost like a challenge to the heart of the question. Mm -hmm. Like, are you looking, are you seeking to be right or are you seeking Jesus? Like, are you seeking for, for a, a clear, crisp, again, prepackaged, I just love it, prepackaged answer so that you know how to handle it? Or are you actually looking for Jesus? Mm -hmm. Are you looking to justify or um, hold up your own agenda? Or are you actually looking for Jesus? What are you looking for? Yeah, I think the most helpful words that I learned in, in Reconstruction, most helpful words were dogma and doctrine. Mm -hmm. And doctrine is what everybody fights over. And dogma is the foundation of the faith. So dogma is like, these are, if you are a Christian, these are the things you believe. And then doctrine is the way all of that's carried out. And doctrine is how we get all of our different denominations. And those two things are so different. And once I learned to cling to dogma and to stop arguing doctrine, I was able to live so much more peacefully among people because dogma are the issues that, that we all have to agree on in order to believe that Jesus is the risen Christ and so, and so on. But doctrine, doctrine is just things that churches, it's the way that dogma manifests differently in every different church. And once I realized that I can, I can get along with somebody who has different doctrine 
And I can even get along with somebody who doesn't believe the same dogma that I do. As long as I realize that our faith is founded in something entirely differently and you realize what it is that you're arguing. I don't know. Those two things made a huge difference for me in my reconstruction and realizing uh, what I believed and realizing that every church is going to have a different doctrine. But our dog was probably exactly the same. We actually have way more common ground than what I realized. Yeah. And I would say that there's, there's, there's like a third level of mm-hmm. that and it's distinctives. Mm. And I think like people, what lands most evangelicals in the West in deconstruction is actually not even like at a doctrinal level. Mm-hmm. It's at like a distinctive level. Like, for instance, like the ideology of like evangelicalism in the West, like co-opting itself or uh, attaching itself so deeply to the Republican Party. Like that has nothing to do with doctrine. <laughs> That's like a distinctive. Mm-hmm. That's like something that is ancillary to even doctrine that like folks have chose to like make something really important. And I feel like what so often happens is with like fundamentalism, distinctives were treated like dogmas. Yeah. So people went and said, oh, like if you don't vote this way or if you don't listen to this kind of music, if you don't do X, Y and Z. Right. then like you're not a Christian when actually like true when actually like you need to believe in the forgiveness of sin to be a Christian. You need to believe Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Like, yeah, you need to believe in one God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and the rest of the creed. Like, and that's Christianity. Yeah. Right. Versus like all these like cultural rules and regulations that have been added on. Mm -hmm. And And like, from what I take, most people have issues with the add-ons, with distinctives, yeah, distinctives. When they learn the when they learn the dogmas, they're like, "Oh, this is this is forgiveness of sin. All of my past, present, and future sins are forgiven by Jesus if I repent. This is dope." Like, yeah. All right, so let's let's land on this. Let's land on this. Um, way back early on in the previous episode. We mentioned that deconstruction should not happen outside of community. And today, as we're talking about putting together our faith, we're talking about, um, we've mentioned a lot, like the need for help in doing so. So as we, as we wrap up, what, what markers of a healthy community to reconstruct in would you give? So how can somebody who's trying to put their faith together identify a healthy community to reconstruct with it. I think back, I'm going to need your help on this. I think back to our days in college again. And I think of, I think of the blue duck. I think of, I think (laughs) of all the different, I think of all the different people that made up our friend group that made up our brotherhood and how we used to go at it. We would go at it over over doctrinal beliefs i mean like like the only things that got me this heated were sports debates and theology debates like we were such nerds like you and gabe at applebee's man man 
don't don't even be. <laughs> don't even put that on me, bro. Like, yeah, absolutely, I was going to Gabe, but I wasn't the only one. I had a friend Gabe where I used to tell him he was a he was a a Calvinist and an Eagles fan, and I used to tell him I hated everything he stood for. Um, go Cowboys! But I uh, I think back to that community, and man, we used to we used to rip we used to rip each other's beliefs apart. And then at the end of the day, laugh together, always sh- always sharing food together, mm-hmm. always sharing food. When somebody had a gift card, the brotherhood had a gift card. You Indeed. feel me? Like, like always sharing food together and ultimately understood that at the end of the day, it was about us as brothers making sure that the person next to us was becoming more like Jesus. And, and, that's, and that's what it came down to. And I, can, I could go on for... 80 minutes over the hilarious arguments that we had, uh, loud arguments, long arguments, heated arguments. But at the end of the day, we understood that it was about the person next to me becoming more like Jesus. And that sometimes, even though there were some things that others held more loosely than, you know, things that I held tightly, we love, we love the same God. And, it's the same spirit that moves in all of us. And when it came it when it came down to addressing something that the that the kingdom would want to address, I had full confidence that me and the dudes I was rocking with <clears throat> would address it the way it needed to be done. Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm in yeah. I think in the process of reconstruction, it's really, really wise to have folks around you who have like lived a little bit. The reality is just in like my short like life up into this point, I've had two periods of deconstruction and reconstruction. And those would, I would not have made it out of the first one. This, this last one, I was a little more grounded, but I would not have made it out of the first one without uh, my now like 70 something year old friend, Jim College, like and him chuckling at me and yeah, just saying like, hey, it's oh, like it's OK. You're OK. Explaining to me why, letting me know that like you're not the only person in the world who's ever deconstructed, like take a step back, like sending me to different countries and different cultures to actually see, oh, like, the questions that I'm asking are, like, actually, like, for me, were kind of selfish, like, (laughs) in nature as I, like, went to other places and seen other things. And I was able to refocus on, like, things that actually mattered. Not that the questions that I was asking didn't matter and not that the questions that you're asking don't matter, but my perspective was just broadened in that and... Yeah, I would say, like, yeah, I know I have a tendency, especially when I'm, like, asking questions that, like, have hurt me, to go to echo chambers. Like, I'll only talk to people who, like, believe the same things that I believe, that have the same views as I view, yeah, same perspective that I view the world with. But, yeah, I think it's dangerous to, like, be in an echo chamber and be in deconstruction or reconstruction. Mm-hmm. I think like good. 
finding people who think differently than you, who are in a different generation than you, older people. I think that's really important as you develop a community of folks who are helping you reconstruct or you choose a church community that like has some of these aspects that's going to help you reconstruct. That's right. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing I would add to what you guys have said is that if the place where you are trying to process makes you feel shameful for the questions you are asking, that's not your space. Uh, Shame is one of the first things that I see after the fall in Genesis 3. They hid because they were ashamed. They covered themselves because they were ashamed. Shame is one of the first things that happens after the fall. And so if you are feeling shamed for being, uh, for being curious about the gospel and what it says, then that's probably not your space to deconstruct and reconstruct your faith. All right, so that wraps up our, our series here on deconstruction and reconstruction. Um, I hope that you are feeling um, at least the slightest bit encouraged if this is the space that you are in. Um, and just know that as you are walking through this, we've all been there too. Um, and, what you, and what you are doing, there is, there is a light at the end of it. And God will... God will, God can handle your questions. God can handle your curiosity. Bless up.